0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Before I get into today's sermon, you know here at STSA, we uh, always pride ourselves on being a very welcoming community. Okay, when anyone is joining us for the first time, we want to give them a very big welcome, correct? So we actually have uh, five um, friends who are joining us today for the first time. Did you meet the five new friends? Did you meet them? Did anyone meet them? Their names are Paul and Mary and Fotini and Veronica and Demas. Did you meet them? I'm talking about our icons that arrived on the left and the right side right there. Yeah, they just arrived, very good. People are looking around, You talking about me? I'm Mary. To welcome to me, yeah, very good. <laughs> You're very welcoming around here. Yeah, we got um, our side icons, uh, five of the seven, uh, all seven arrived, but the two over there were a little bit, I uh, need a little bit of touch up work Um, from the shipping, so when our iconographer comes later this month, he'll put those up. But this is very exciting that we got some more icons. Isn't this exciting? Yes? Okay, very good. So you welcome our new friends. They live here more than you here, okay? They're here all day, 24-7. And just so you understand, in case you you weren't aware of it or, you know, maybe you're just showing up today for the first time, is that everything in the church and the design had a specific purpose and intent, and there was a theme behind the icons, Okay? And hopefully, as they start to fill in, you can see the theme. So the theme of the icons is an encounter with Christ. And that's why when we're trying to figure out which ones to put up on the side and in the back, the idea was to come up with people's encounters with Christ so that each one of us can find ourselves, because that's what we hope church is, an encounter with Christ. It's not just coming and sitting in a pew, but it's coming to encounter Christ. So you can encounter Christ in different ways. So first we got like the Samaritan woman over there who encountered Christ in her state of hopelessness and in her state of feeling like she's rejected by God. So she was that person who felt like God doesn't want me. God doesn't need me. God's got a million people better than me. And maybe some of us feel that way. Well, when we see the Samaritan woman icon, we remember that Jesus has a place in his heart that someone is coming today and he's welcoming him that way. OK, we have the two that are missing. Nicodemus is over here. Nicodemus is the one who was confused. Theologically, he was confused. So the one who's like, I don't fully get it. I'm questioning. Jesus has room in his heart for the one who's questioning. And then we got the adulterous woman, the woman caught in sin. OK, Jesus has room in his heart there. Then we got St. Veronica, also known as the bleeding woman, the one who was sick. OK, and tried all the doctors and everything like that. Jesus has his place in his heart for the one who's sick. Thief on the right. Mary Magdalene over here after the resurrection, but she was hopeless. And then, of course, we got Saint Paul. Those are the individual encounters with Jesus, and hopefully everyone finds themselves in there. But then also on the back wall, which will be the next phase, those are also encounters with Christ, but they're group encounters. Okay, so if you see on your back left right there, that's you can see by the verse what it is. That's the wedding of Cana of Galilee, okay, where Jesus turned water into wine for the, the big group. Then we got Jesus calming the storm. How many of us feel like sometimes there's storms in our life and Jesus needs to calm those? Then we got over there the feeding of the 5,000, those who are hungry, Jesus fed them. Then we got let the little children come to me. Okay, so Jesus has his place in his heart for the kids. And then the final one, Mary anointed the feet of Jesus at the home of Lazarus. My point is there to say, number one, thank God for the arrival of these icons. Hopefully they enhance our spiritual uh, atmosphere. But also, again, the theme of finding yourself an encounter with Christ. Now, let me tell you which icon is not on the wall. And I've been to many churches in my life, and I've never seen an icon of this. That's the gospel that we read today. I've never seen an icon of that, even though that was a personal encounter with Jesus. The story that we just read, in case you weren't paying attention, was the story of the rich young ruler who came to Jesus in Mark 10. It's also in Matthew 19. And he came to Jesus... And he had a one-on-one encounter with Jesus. And none of us have ever said, Lord, may my encounter with you be like that man's encounter. <laughs> none of us have ever prayed that. None of us have ever looked for an icon of that and said, that's what I will hang in the right room. See, like the St. Paul one, I look at that and I say, I, I-, I love that icon so much. Because that's the guy who was walking and he was so sure he was right. And then Jesus revealed himself and he enlightened him. Okay, Or the Mary Magdalene, the one who was hopeless and his death, but she found resurrection. These icons inspire us. Nobody ever said the story of the rich young ruler when he came to Jesus and asked a good question. What was the question he asked Jesus? Was, huh? I think you said inherit eternal life. Okay, very good. I wouldn't fully get it, but that, that's okay. It'll give you the benefit of the doubt. The man came and asked a good question, a question that you and I, like we can relate to this question. What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus' response to him was What? Well, the end result of this encounter was the man left and went away sorrowful. Because Jesus, okay, Jesus, Samaritan woman, he didn't ask her for much. He didn't ask her to sell everything she had. He said, stop living in sin. Okay, give up the husband and you're good. Okay, Nicodemus, again, he's not there, but let's go to the ones who are there. Okay, Veronica, the saint, the bleeding woman, she didn't have to do anything. She just had to show her faith. Demas didn't have to give up anything. In fact, the guy was going to die in a minute. He didn't say anything. He just had to say one word. Okay? But somehow, when it came to this man, he got asked the hardest thing in the world to give up everything that he had, sell all that he had, take up his cross, and follow me. Where's gentle Jesus of Samaritan woman? Where's sweet Jesus of adulterous woman? Where's enlightening Jesus of Saul on the road to Damascus? This was such a I'll use the, the, the specific word that I want to use here. Astonishing. Astonishing. Moved by Jesus. Do you know why I know this was astonishing? Why I choose the word astonishing. It was astonishing what Jesus said to this young man. Why? Why I the word astonishing. Because that's what St. Mark wrote. I didn't make that word up. I'm going to read you what the gospel says. It says right here, when, when the disciples heard this encounter about this rich young man who was a good man, who was a law-abiding man, who was a youth. He was like anything for the youth, right? Like he's just a young boy. Like it's okay, give him time. But Jesus, no. It says the disciples were astonished at his words. The disciples were astonished at Jesus' words. Because they couldn't imagine that 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 Jesus, that Jesus, that Jesus, that Jesus, that Jesus, said to this young man, you, you either sell everything that you have, take up the cross, or I don't know anything about you. And that's why... After the guy went away, Jesus said, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. Not just the disciples were astonished. Who are the disciples? The disciples saw the five loaves and the two fish. The disciples were there in the boat when he calmed the sea. The disciples saw the raising of the daughter of Jairus. They saw incredible things. And this is what astonished them? Like this is what made them say, like walk on water, come out and calm the sea, water into wine. And then this, actually says it twice. Then he later says, Children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And this time they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? So my question to you, this encounter with Jesus, we love encounter with Jesus. That's why we come to church. Does anyone... I want to come to church and find that encounter, that encounter, that encounter, that encounter. But we have to be fair. Is that sometimes we need to come to church and see this encounter. And hear this encounter speaking to us. Okay, every one of these has like a little title on it, like Jesus delivers the woman or Jesus reveals himself. If I had to put a title on this, I would say Jesus humbles the rich young ruler. And some of us, if we're honest, if we're fair... Some of us need to come to church and be humbled, and that's not a sermon I know some people just turned off today. I, I was hoping for one of those delivery days. I was hoping for one of those, those feel-good, those hope days. But this is it's going to be a humble day, I'll see you next Sunday, okay? <laughs> Bring Father Timothy back, okay? We like him better, okay? <laughs> I want to show you what I think the message of the church is trying to deliver us today, okay? And I want to compare two gospel passages, last night's Vespers and this morning that we just read. I want to compare just the first two verses of each passage because there's a lot of parallel there. Anyone remember the gospel last night, Vespers? <clears throat> say again. Say? There's Matthew 17. Very good. Okay, very good. You got it right there. Very good, Matthew 17. Do you know what was in it? A man came to Jesus with a sick child. Okay. Now, I'm going to read to you. This is, first, we'll read the gospel that we just read, the rich young ruler. Pay attention to the first verse. Then I'll read the first verse from the Vespers last night. Both were about a man coming to Jesus. This is today's. Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? That was what we just read. One came to him and was doing what? Running. He did what when he got to him? Knelt and he called Jesus and said to him, Good teacher. Okay, let's go last night, Vespers. Matthew 17. And when they had come to a multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, so again, a man came, that, that one was running, this one doesn't say running, this one came to him, knelt down and said something. Lord, have mercy on my son.'" For he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. And he goes on to say, I brought him to your disciples. They couldn't cure him, saying, God, save my son. One of them said, A man going, running, knelt before him, said, Good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Another one, a man came to him, kneeling down, said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. It can't be coincidence that we get two gospels right there. I mean, they seem very similar. Someone coming to Jesus on a road, asking a question and kneeling down. What's the difference between these two guys? The first guy from Vesper, or the, yeah, the, first, the last night Vesper's guy left very different than the rich young ruler guy. What's the difference between the two? What do you notice between the two of those? Okay. So one is asking for his son. One is asking for himself. Okay, very good. That's a great point. What else? What do you notice? Okay. One is asking for his power. One is asking for his advice. I like the word advice. That's a good word. How do you, let's, let's stick with the advice theme. Okay. How did the first guy, how did they refer to Jesus? One said good teacher. The other said what? Lord what's the difference between the two because I think in those two words you understand the difference obviously the word doesn't matter Jesus doesn't judge our words he judges our heart but the words are manifestation of the heart because out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks so I'm not don't, don't get hung up on the word but I'm saying the word reveals what was in the heart of each of the two guys one said good teacher what was in the heart there what was in his heart Yeah, and his heart was, Jesus, you're a good guy. Tell me, what do you think about this subject? Give me your advice. And I'll take what you have to say, and I'll consider it, and that's very good. But, you know, thank you for your input. Thank you. I appreciate it. That's the first guy. Thank you for your input, Jesus. How about the second guy? Lord. Lord means what? Lord means I got nothing. Lord means you're everything, Lord It means you're God, you're mighty You're everything and I'm nothing I would say the word that I put in my notes right here Okay, The difference between the first guy and the second guy Tell me if you agree or disagree with this The first guy, well, I don't know which one is the first guy the, the, the good guy, okay Let's go with that as the first guy okay? I think I confused the order of them the, 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 the good guy came with a spirit of desperation Would you agree with that? Because this guy had a son who was about to die. who was very sick. Parents get this. If you've ever had a sick child, if you've ever seen a parent with a sick child, it's not a normal sight. Like you can have a sick brother. You can be sick yourself. You can have a sick parent. Those are all here. But then a sick child, a desperately sick child, a very sick child that's demon-possessed and throwing himself in the fire and hurting himself. There's no other word. Okay, this... I don't know how to put that into words, but that's what it is, okay? Any parent would agree that they would rather themselves be the one in the fire than their kid in the fire. Any parent would rather that a hundred times. So this dad, yeah, the dad is coming and he's so desperate for Jesus, so desperate. I got nothing without you. And the other guy had this kind of attitude. And he says, Lord, or sorry, good teacher, what do you think about this passage in the scripture about eternal life? Oh, that's nice. And he wrote it down. And he went to discuss with his friends back home and say, this guy said this. Oh, this philosopher said this. Oh, I heard this rabbi, rabbi said this. So he's kind of comparing the notes all there together. One of them was desperate. One of them had nothing in the world except Jesus. Versus the other one. The other one thought kind of highly of himself. And the other one thought he had it figured out, but he could use a little touch-up. Now here's the part of the sermon that you don't like. Of those two, which one resembles the way I came to church this morning more? Of those two, which one resembles the way I came to church this morning? Did I come to church today desperate for Jesus? Did I come to church to say, I got nothing in this world except you did I come, up, this is like, you guys are the good ones, okay? It's the ones who are not here, of course, okay? But it's raining, it's cloudy, it's foggy, it's Christmas, it's Thanksgiving, it's all the things in the one. So you know what? Whether I make it to church today, what time I make it today, my mindset when I get there today, like, I'm not judging. But all I'm saying is we have in front of us two examples. And if I start here in the middle and I see the good guy over there, and I see the bad guy over there, I got to be fair and say of the two, I don't know which I look more like, which actually I do know which I look more like, but I don't want to say it, but I came to church more like this guy than I did like that guy, because I kind of came today with like things to do, people to see, and stuff to get done, I came today with like, you know what, I know I got problems in my life, but I got issues, and God understands. I don't know how many times I, tell people, hear, I hear people tell me God understands, God understands. I'm like, you don't tell me if God understands. Like God tells you if he understands. Like You don't tell God, I did this, you understand. No, you ask God. And if God understands, God understands. But you don't tell God he understands. The Pauline epistle for today. Okay, I don't know if anyone was paying attention to it. St. Paul. St. Paul. Like St. Paul. Said about himself. He said, look here. We can't think anything of ourselves. He was talking to, he was kind of humbling the Corinthians by talking about himself as the teacher. And look what he says. He says for, they were, they were accusing him of different things. So he says, but with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. This is the important part. I do not even judge myself. And he's not saying that in a, like I have good self-esteem way. He's saying it in the opposite. He's saying, and in, in, I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done this, but I'm not here to say, look at me, I'm great. He's saying, I'm the chief of all the sinners. I don't judge myself and say I've done anything. He continues, for I know of nothing against myself, meaning I can't think of any bad stuff that I've done, yet I am not justified by this. He who judges me is the Lord. He's saying, I live a pretty holy and righteous life, but that doesn't mean anything. My judgment of myself is not what's accurate. It's God's judging of me. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal, here's the part that's tough, reveal the counsels of the heart. In other words, saying the fact that I'm good on the outside doesn't mean anything because when God comes, he's going to reveal what's on the inside and it's what's on the inside that matters. The rich young ruler had a very good outside, but Jesus came light of the world and shone a light on the inside. And he did it because he loved him. That's what it said. It said Jesus, looking at him, loved him. So he said this to him, and he's the same with us. Continues. Therefore, judge nothing before the time. The Lord, until the Lord comes, who will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. Then each one's praise will come from God. Okay. So now, after that, Saint Paul, like Saint Paul, was great because he was. Um, I love Saint Paul because he was spiritual. He was very deep, but he also had a. Little bit of a sassy side to him. Okay, and he knew how to jab, so I kind of like that. okay he, So now he gets a little sarcastic with the Corinthians, and he kind of pricks them a little bit right here, and he kind of pokes the bear. And he's, he's sarcastic when he says, Look, um, well, first he says, What makes you different from another? Because they think they're so high and mighty. Who makes you different from another? What do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you indeed did receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? Saying, You think you're so high and mighty? What do you have that you didn't receive? And he's saying it from me. Like, I taught you everything. So what are you trying to say? Here's where he gets sassy. Everything he says here is sarcastic. You are already full. You are already rich. You have reigned as kings without us. And indeed, I wish that you did reign, that I might reign with you. For I think that God has displayed us. He says, we are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. Sarcasm. We are weak, but you are strong. Sarcasm. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. In other words, what he's saying, he's, as Jesus did with this rich young ruler, humbling, out of love, humbling, and saying, remember when you had nothing? Let's all think about this. Remember when you were desperate? Remember when you did come to church that way? Remember when you set that alarm early on Sunday and you came to church expectantly and saying, God, speak to me today. God, he, speak for your servant who's listening. And you came and said, God, I have no hope in this world except you. And I'm praying the whole time. And the highlight for me, Lord, is that if you make me worthy, that I could stand up here and at some point receive just the smallest, smallest fraction of, of your body and the smallest drop of your blood if you make me worthy of that lord i will be ever thankful for you you remember those days you remember when you came and said god i'm not worthy to even stand in your church okay i know a lot of people when they come in church they make a prostration people take off their shoes we have all these different make the sign of the cross those are all great but do you remember i'm not judging please don't take this judging. but do you remember when we did that with meaning do you remember why we started that like now we just kind of do it it's just like we're just walking in, we scratch our head, we make the sign, we do whatever it is. But do you remember when we did that with meaning that we entered the house of God and we truly made a prostration? And we said, we worship you, O Christ, with your good father and the Holy Spirit, for you have risen and saved us. Do you remember when? That's what that's what Jesus is calling. That's the encounter for today. And the reason why this encounter needs to happen today. <clears throat> because next week we begin one of the most special seasons of the entire church year. Everybody's favorite season. Christmas season is next week. Even though we've already begun the fast, the, 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 the month, the Advent month of, of Kiyah begins next weekend. And that's for the four weekends leading up to Christmas. And during that time, today's gospel, we see it lived, starting next week. But we see it lived by somebody else. Do you know who lives out this gospel starting next week? Okay, let me tell you a story about a different person. You tell me if you can figure out who this person is. This was a rich, the richest on the existence, richest on the planet, the richest young man, the richest young ruler ever. And this rich young ruler in the story, okay, this one, okay, may have had this one, but this one had riches and glory beyond imagination. And he lived just like this guy. He didn't break any of the laws. He didn't commit adultery. He didn't murder. He honored his father at every step of the way. He did everything right. Yet still, yet still there was one thing that that was lacking. There's one thing he needed to do. He needed to sell all his riches, give up all his riches. He needed to deny himself and he needed to carry a cross. And when he did that, when he sold all he had and gave it to the poor, who am I talking about, by the way? Jesus. When Jesus sold his riches and his glory and gave it to the poor, who is the poor? This is going to be the Pauline epistle, I think, either next week or the week after, where we talk about where he, through his, uh, just though he was rich, okay, he made himself poor, that we, through his poverty, might become rich. Second Corinthians. Okay, we're going to read that soon. That he who is rich, ruler of all, Rich glory sold all that he had so that we who are poor and miserable and decrepit and had no hope could have riches. And he carried his cross and he walked the walk and he denied himself and he carried his cross. And then, in the end, okay, when Jesus said to this man, in the end, this guy, okay, right here. It says, this is the last thing that Jesus said to the disciples. Surely I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sister or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, et cetera, et, cetera, et cetera, and in the age to come eternal life. Who was the one who left house, brothers, sister, father, mother, etc., etc., children and lands? Who was the one who denied himself every day? Who was the one who had no place to lay his head? Who was the one who everybody, even his own family said he's crazy and he's demon possessed? Who was the one who sold it all? He is. All for us. So that's why today as we prepare for that next week, the church gives us this reminder. This is our encounter with Jesus. This is this is actually this is the missing icon of the day. This is the missing icon of the day. The missing icon is Jesus coming to the rich young ruler who is me. And saying to him, one thing you lack, one thing you lack, one thing you lack, go sell what you have, one thing you lack, and you say, but Jesus, that's hard, one thing you lack, and my question to you that I want you to, 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 to consider, is Jesus coming to us today? And is Jesus coming to us and saying, one thing you lack? Hello. Someone said no. <laughs> he is, trust me, he is, I promise, he is, Okay. Boldness, that's courageous of him to say no to the priest, please. Okay. Is Jesus coming to you? Yes. Okay. And we love Jesus coming to Samaritan woman, and we'll get there in a, in a couple months. And we love Jesus coming to the right-hand thief. We'll get there in Holy Week. We love Jesus coming to Mary Magdalene. We'll get there on Easter. We love all this. But today, Jesus is coming and saying one thing you lack and he's humbling us. And he's showing us the picture of the desperate man versus the comfortable man. Okay, and the question for us is how will we respond to that? This man responded incorrectly. I always look at this man and say, this guy is unfortunately the biggest sucker in the entire Bible. Because this guy had the lifetime, opportunity of a lifetime. Because Jesus came to him face to face and said, if you do this, you will receive riches and treasure and beyond belief. And he couldn't see it. He could only focus on what he was being asked to give up. He could not see what he was being offered to receive. My hope and my prayer is that us, we would look at it a little bit differently because I think that's God's message for us today. Glory be to God forever. Amen.